Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the RV Texas Y'all podcast. I'm Stacy. I'm Tom, and we're RV Texas Y'all. We are native Texans and full-time RVers who are all about exploring the great state of Texas and beyond one campground at a time. We're on a mission to experience life, not just live it, and we're bringing you along for the fun. This episode is being recorded again at Master Tech RV in Elkhart, Indiana. This is episode 11. And this week we're sitting down with our friend and master of all things headlights, Jason Maybe, the headlight guy. We're also going to talk about uh, things that symbolize the great state of Texas, both official and not. And in this week's ABCs of RVing, H is for hula skirt. Sit back, relax, and join us as we RV Texas, y'all. of Texas, what comes to mind? Is it the Lone Star, which was officially adopted by the Republic of Texas back in 1839, or the red, white, and blue of the Texas flag, which, like the U.S. flag, represent courage, liberty, and loyalty? Do you remember the Alamo, Goliad, or San Jacinto, places where Texians fought bravely to secure our freedom back in 1836? Or do you equate Texas with the more natural beauty of the state? Maybe you think of our official state flower since 1901, the native blue bonnet or fields of cotton. Maybe for you, our state tree, the pecan tree, and everything that goes along with it, including pecan pie, represents Texas. By the way, did you know that the pecan is the only commercially grown nut in the state of Texas? And yes, they are native to our state. Notice here that I said pecan and not pecan. Then there's the prickly pear cactus, recognized as the official state plant since 1995. Naturalists have counted more than 100 species of this wild cactus in Texas. Besides being interesting looking for its fruits and flowers atop its spiny pads, prickly pear is made into some fantastic jelly and is also used in pie and even wine. Plus the cactus paddles themselves, called nopalitos, make delicious eating. Just make sure you remove the spines before you cook them. The Texas state reptile is the horned lizard, which unfortunately is now on the threatened species list. Our official insect is the beautiful monarch butterfly, thousands of which call Texas home every spring and fall as they migrate to and from Mexico for the winter months. Another fun fact, Texas is home to at least 400 different species of butterflies. That's more than any other state in the USA. And of course, we can't forget to mention the mighty Texas Longhorn, a mix of Spanish and English cattle recognized by their extremely long horns, hence the name. Longhorns became a symbol of Texas resilience and toughness way back in the mid-1800s. They can survive on very little water, endure extreme temperatures, have tough hooves, and can eat just about anything they find. 
One of the most interesting and unusual experiences so far that we've had has been with the Longhorns at Copper Break State Park near Quanah, Texas. What a fascinating animal. As much as the Longhorn is a huge symbol of Texas, it has some smaller friends who join it with official state designations. The armadillo became an official Texas mammal in 1927, followed by the Mexican free-tailed bat in 1995. The mockingbird is the official state bird, and the Texas state bison herd at Caprock Canyon State Park received their official designation in 2011. The bison herd is a whole story to itself, which we will definitely talk about in a future episode. Texas has an official crustacean, which of course is the Texas Gulf Shrimp, an official freshwater fish, the Guadalupe Bass, saltwater fish, red drum, sea turtle, Kemp's Ridley sea turtle, amphibian, Texas toad, and the official horse, the American Quarter Horse. Our official vehicle, well, you might assume it would be a truck, but no, the official vehicle of Texas is a chuck wagon, which goes well with the official cooking implement, the cast iron Dutch oven. And our official sport is rodeo. Rodeos have been a huge deal in Texas for well over 125 years. In fact, the first rodeo to award prizes was held in Pecos, Texas back in 1883. And the first indoor rodeo took place in Fort Worth in 1917. What about food? Well, we think barbecue, steaks, Tex-Mex, and chili should make the list. And yes, indeed, chili is officially listed as the official dish of Texas. Also on that official list, you'll find peach cobbler, Texas red grapefruit, sopapillas, jalapenos, pumpkin, sweet onion, and strudel. Tortilla chips and salsa are the official Texas snack, and well, it's hard to argue with that. The official Texas musical instrument is a guitar, and the official music is Western Swing, and I guess Bob Wills, who was from Turkey, Texas, would give that a big thumbs up. On a side note, I have to throw in two of the official symbols that remind me of my grandparents. My Meemaw Polly loved her some crepe myrtles, and boy, could she grow them. That's the official Texas shrub, and when I was a kiddo, our family played many hours of 42, the official domino game. It was a big deal to all of us kids when we finally got old enough to earn our own seat at the domino table during a family gathering. I could go on about the official state of Texas designations, but I thought it would be interesting to ask our audience what they think of when they think of the Lone Star State. Here are some of the responses. Big space and changing landscapes. As they say, everything is bigger in Texas. Portions, distance, pride and attitude. And yes, that Texas pride is a real thing, y'all. You can see everything from beaches to mountains, forests to deserts, canyons to caves, and prairies to rolling hills without ever leaving the state. The stars at night really are big and bright, especially when you're talking about West Texas or the Panhandle. Lots of folks come to Texas for U.S. Air Force basic training. Thank you for your service. People also mentioned heat, cowboys, oil, and the yellow rose of Texas. Bluebell ice cream and ceviche could be added to the food list, although not eaten at the same time because that might be a little weird. Big Bend and Paladuro Canyon were talked about a lot, along with the amazing Texas Hill Country. Yes, sir, independence, can-do spirit, and hospitality make the list, which makes sense, since the name Texas is said to come from a Native American word meaning friends. And even though Texans are friendly and welcoming folks, we take the saying, don't mess with Texas very seriously. Kindly pick up after yourselves. Rounding out the words that our audience believes best represents Texas, freedom, and hey, y'all. And speaking of hey, y'all, perhaps our personal favorite response came from Beaker Bird on Facebook. What represents the Lone Star State? RV Texas, y'all. Well, thank you so much, Beaker. We are much obliged, and we will do our very best to live up to that very high standard. Mm -hmm.
in the ABCs of RVing, we're on H. And we're doing hula skirt. Yeah, I tell you, hula skirt, when you think of that, I mean, I think most people are probably like me, and we're thinking that's probably the skirt they put around a travel trailer or a fifth wheel or something to keep the cold from coming up underneath it during the winter, maybe when you're in the, you know, staying in the same place for, place for quite some time. But no, actually, hula, hula skirt is a type of dirt skirt accessory attached to the rear of a motorhome to protect the towed vehicle from debris from the real, rear wheels. Uh, that skirt is usually the length of the rear bumper and resembles a short version of a Hawaiian hula skirt and of course when you know we've all seen that some of your older motorhomes uh had this accessory on it and you'll still see it today on the road and um now there's a little more modern version of this that doesn't look like a hula skirt but the uh i think they were quite effective in their day and yeah makes sense they were called a hula skirt so yeah h for hula skirt. This week, we're excited to welcome Jason Maybe, the headlight guy, to the show. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, we got to say he is the headlight guy, but he is a heck of a lot more than a headlight guy. Oh, that's for darn sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get 20 years building RVs, you kind of pick up a thing or two here and there. So you just <laughs> learn how to do things and you just keep practicing everything. And headlights just same way you have to constantly adapt and if you just sit in a rut then that's where you're going to be stuck well there you go we met jason uh what back at the perry uh, perry georgia fmca rally he was there with master tech rv he's part of the team up here in elkhart indiana and uh i was blown away by his display of headlights i had no idea i got to tell you it's something i had never really thought about before and he really opened our eyes to what headlights could be beyond just what they are yeah that display y'all had uh at the fmca rally in perry was uh should i say eye-opening uh, <laughs> enlightening enlightening uh because it was they shined this beam clear across the conference hall and you could see it on the other end, and that was one of your headlights, correct? Yeah, that was, uh, I was using a Morimoto MLED 2.0 projector, and headlights come in all forms, shapes, and sizes. Since 1960, we've been using halogen bulbs, so 1960 technology, and now you look at current RVs, and they're still coming standard with halogen bulbs, and you got touch display, voice activation, you have all these things going on in RVs now. Yet the headlights are still stuck in 1960. That's a good way of putting it. But you know, everything it, else is advanced, but headlights. 
No, the manufacturers, I mean, I'm not bashing any manufacturers, but it comes down to cost. And so the, if you ever look at certain front ends, like if you go out there and you look at the Monaco's or the Country Coach or you look at another front end, you got a Diplomat, you have you could have nine RVs with the exact same front end using the exact same headlights because there's one company that made a master mold of that front cap. And they're like, well, you want to buy it, you want to buy it, you want to buy it, you want to buy it. And that's where they just came down to. They're like, okay, well, you know, then you just have to figure out what the headlight is. Yeah, and I think most of us, when we buy an RV, the, for some reason, the last thing we're thinking about is the headlights. We don't go out there and see what they look like. And, I mean, we don't base our decision on what the headlights are like. Well, I guess, first of all, you're usually not shopping for RVs in the dark. No. So, but you do have to drive in the dark. <laughs> That's true. There are times you do. We we don't. We really don't like driving in the dark. But you know, and just full disclosure now, we are getting this headlight system ourselves. Yeah, Jason built us uh, new headlights. And but before we get into that, I got to ask you, Jason, how did you get into headlights? <laughs> so I was 16 years old, and I was still in high school. And I had seen, back then it was a a Mercedes CLK 320. And it was just driving, and I just noticed it hit a bump, and the lights just went like blue and purple. And we call that a color flicker. So that's when the cutoff of the headlight, whenever you look at a cutoff line, a lot of them are going to have like a nice blue sharp cutoff line. And that's just like the refraction. So if you shine a garden hose into the sunlight, you see the rainbow. Right. So it's a prism effect, and that's what's happening. There's always moisture in the air, so when the light shines through and it's going through that cutoff shield, you'll get a color, a nice defined color, and that's what creates a color flicker. So that's why when somebody hits a bump in the road, they're not flashing you. They're just hitting a bump in the road, and you just get caught by the cutoff shield, and it gives you a little color flicker. They're not they're not trying to be, you know, a douchebag or anything like that. They're just, just getting you a little... <laughs> You know, it's just a little color flicker. It's nothing harmful. Okay. Uh, but I seen that, and I was like, man, that looks really cool. How how in the world can I do that? And I started digging around, digging around. And it's like, okay, well, this and this. And back then, it was the Mercedes, and then Chrysler had a Pacifica. There was like 20 or 30 different cars back then that had them. I was like, we'll start looking up, but headlights are two, three, four thousand $4,000 back then. Okay. But back then body shops didn't really care about nothing so I, I was dumpster diving i was a broke high school kid and i went dumpster diving and then i found uh, an online community back then it was called hid planet i believe it's still operating now but on facebook now it's headlight junkies and all these other headlight groups but a few of us members we like figure out hot spots like oh fort wayne so i linked up with some guys we would go down to fort wayne or we go down to indy we go out to chicago and we'd pick out a weekend of the month, and we go there, you know, Friday, and wait for you know certain rows to sh- shut down, and then we just go dumpster diving, grabbing the headlights. And back then, you had the ballast, and everything was attached to it. But nowadays, the manufacturers make you take off the ballast, the control units, the LED modules, and all that stuff, and you just have the guts. But a lot of time, that's the only thing I really needed. Because back then it was just HIDs, so I can go buy HID bulbs. I can buy an HID ballast. It was the projectors, and back in the day, set of like E46 out of a BMW, 
you know, they'd be three, four hundred dollars just for a pair of projectors. And that wow. Was, that was expensive. Then you had to buy the bulbs and the ballast and things got more affordable. And then uh, a guy named Matt Kassoff, he, uh, he lived in Ohio and then he moved down to Georgia and he started a company called the Retrofit Source. And they're an awesome company. I love all their products. And then he just used his engineering and started designing projectors and saying, we can make it better. We can make light improve. We can do this. And he's delivered on everything he's ever designed and anything he's ever built. And that was the big thing with him is, is the quality. Because you can go on eBay and you can buy, oh, I can buy that projector. I'm like, you can buy the knockoff projector. Ah, okay. So it may have the same physical outside shape, but inside is where all the design is done. Because it's all about optics and you have to know how light refracts. So if light doesn't just shoot straight out there's a chrome bowl in there and if light has to hit a certain you know you're talking just bouncing around everywhere to the point where it shoots out of the projector instead of just a light bulb that just shoots it's not shooting directly straight out the light actually refracts inside the bowl and then all the light is directed out through the projector and that's where the leds are coming in now where they're actually beating hid hid's been king for a long time but now leds coming out it's more reliable you know, they have better thermal properties. You don't have to worry about another thing failing because on HIDs, the bulb might fail. The igniter might fail. The ballast might fail. Now, the only thing you have to worry about failing is the driver or the LED. Okay. That's nice. Yeah, that's so cool. It's, it's, and the price point is pretty much almost the same. There are laser projectors out there, too. I Just for liability, I don't do those on RVs yet until... You know, you get somebody like Cobble. Cobble coming here, I'm pretty sure he has no problem signing <laughs> signing like a, a non-disclosure agreement. Like, ah, some if I flash somebody and they wreck, but the, <laughs> the laser the laser projectors are they're no joke. They can shoot a beam easily a half mile. Wow! And it's just a straight pencil beam, and if your lights are aimed correctly, you're going to see everything in your path. Wow! So, how did you learn then to build headlights? Did you just start by Taking what you found, taking it apart, seeing how it operated, and then learning how to put it back together? Or? Yeah, that, that was pretty much it. it. You just had to figure out what fit first because there were some really, really big projectors, and then there were some really small projectors, and then you just had to figure out which one was going to work best because not all headlight housings are the same. Some are small, some are big. Back then, I was into Hondas. So the Hondas, they had like a real small headlight. And luckily, the E55 style projector that did like the best inside that light at the time. And then after that, then they started coming out with, you know, the aftermarket projectors, which were easier to put into them. But yeah, it it's it's not as easy as everyone's like, oh yeah, you know, you just drop it in there. Well, if you just drop it in there, you know, your light beam could be going sideways. You have to know how your headlights are going to sit how if there's a slight pitch because not every headlight's perfectly you know level there's always sometimes they might slope a little bit so you have to remember the slope back then i did a hard fit on the car and then i would fit everything up and then once i said it was in place you know then i go through with my jb weld and make sure all my mounting bolts and everything were in place and then i let it cure next day i would take them out and then reseal the housings but it was learning about the sealant yeah they have some that are butyled and they had you have black beetle, gray beetle, then you have permaseal, and there's so many different grades of permaseal. Some of them are no fun. Uh, <laughs> my, like my BMW, I, have, I physically have to cut the lenses off. I can't just 
I can't take it off. It's, wow. So it, you you started out by just doing cars, right? I started off by doing cars, and it was just a hobby. I do my cars. I might do a friend's headlights or something, and I, I've always been into show cars. So once I started going to car shows, I got into a battle with a guy. He had a Lexus, and uh, we were both in the VIP style classes. And for that one season, he came in first every show, and I came in second. So the next year, like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to step it up a bit. And I found a pair of uh, Acura MDX, which is back then it was they were crazy looking. They're the Jewel Eye headlights, so they got five projectors. Oh, right. Okay. And then I took those and I figured out how to make them work in the Acura and then try to make some kind of mold so I can make it look OEM-ish, like it belonged in there. And they turned out pretty good. Not, nobody really modified that car anyway. And once I did that the next year at the show, then I reversed the role. I came in first, and he came in second. <laughs> there you go. And then at the we got we had our final show. It was a uh, was in Chicago. It was at uh, the Autobahn Speedway. It was the last show I did. He's like, man. He's like, how much would it cost for you to build me a set of headlights? Uh, uh it depends. I was like, I just do it as a hobby. Like, well, you know, obviously, you know, you, you've gotten people's attention. So I was like, yeah, you know, I give them a number and then, you know, friendly competition. And then, you know, they always say, they have that quote, you know, you look at success is when people are asking, are you hiring? Right. And then I looked at it I'm like, I got competition asking me to build me something for him so he can help beat me. I'm like, <laughs> okay. I was like, <laughs> I mean, it, it, was, it was all in the spirit. I mean, I mean, there's always competition, but I mean, everybody gets along. I, I love the car community. I've always been in the cars. And so I don't look at it as a grudge or anything right. hateful, but it's, it's just friendly competition. So I was like, if I got to build you some lights, so that means I got to step up my game next year on my lights. <laughs> and then every year I've got, gone, I, I put a new set of lights in my car pretty much every year. As it evolves, you have, chasing leds you have programmable leds addressable leds you know color changing bluetooth and, and that's just pretty much how it started and then once i started going to more shows and you know everyone's like oh, that, 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 that's the guy you need to talk to that that's the headlight guy <laughs> and there you go and then so i was like you know what? i'm just gonna roll with that and i just called myself the headlight guy there and you go it just steamed into it and i did that for years i didn't i, I maybe do 10, 15 sets of lights a year. And then after that, it just kept getting a little bit busier, a little bit busier. And then I kind of got burned out on it. Uh, a lot of time was wasted, it seemed like, because there was always competition. Oh, just got to do it cheaper. And then I started working here at Master Tech, and I, you know, I was telling Tim, I was like, you know, I can, these are car lights, you know. I was like, I've been building car lights. We can do it in an RV. You know, forget about the plug-and-play LED bulbs. I'm like, yeah, you know. I, I I highly, highly do not recommend people doing LED bulbs. Uh, if you go on, on my YouTube, uh, I have videos on there giving a comparison between halogen LED bulbs and then an LED retrofit. Let let people know what that YouTube channel uh, is. YouTube, you can find me on there, uh, is the headlight guy. Um, a lot of the videos are just comparisons. Uh, I don't waste your time. I don't jibber-jabber. I just give you... 10, 15 second intro and I get right down to business. You know, most people don't really care about 
how my day went or how my dog is being a butt, you know, <laughs> you know, nobody, you know, I just want to get there and give people the information because time is valuable. And, and we'll link that also in the show notes um, so that people can link oh, to you good. easily. Yeah. And so, so now you're into RV uh, headlights, part of what you do. Um, tell, tell us if you would share a little bit about like on our rig, we have the mm. new Newmar New Air uh, 2021. And uh, once we met uh, Jason at the uh, Perry Rally, it already got our head even before we had the rig. So it had nothing really to do with our driving at night because we hadn't done it at that point. But his headlight display was just so amazing day and night over what we knew in our previous RVs versus what we were seeing in what he was showing us. Um, We asked him to build us a set, and he's done that. And... uh, can you share a little bit about like a normal, is there a normal RV headlight install? Is everyone different? How does that work for you? Uh, most RV headlight installs are everything. I look at everything as custom because RVs are hand-built products. Everything is done handmade. So not everything is perfect. RVs do not offer a core support like a vehicle does. So when you go open your hood of your car, first thing you're going to see is your radiator support. And your headlights are going to bolt through that. Well, RV is not like that. You got a random person who puts a metal bracket or a piece of wood, and they just do their best to align it to a headlight. So I do my best to make sure that the lights are going to line up properly. But uh, there's a lot of faith in the manufacturers. Right. Uh, if I could find, I'd try not to do it, but there was a certain manufacturer that came in here. It was a newer brand, about five-year-old coach. And I'm not exaggerating. There was just two pieces of plumber strap with drywall screws. Wow. So Holding them in? Just holding the headlight in. Uh, electrical tape was holding the bulbs in because <laughs> they lost the clip that held the actual bulbs in. So that person couldn't see anything wow. at all. And we, we got him uh, a nice set of lights put in there. And we got... Um, I'd say about 95% of trying to correct all the beam pattern. Uh, I know as soon as I pulled your guys' coach in, I showed Tom right away that your lights actually had a slight, a bit of a a dip to them, so they kind of rotated to the side. Okay. So they weren't perfectly level. So when I made my brackets, I made sure, you know, I was like, all right, well, I I need to make this bracket a little bit bigger. And I need to move this hole over just a little bit. That way I can get some rotation so I can try to correct where your lights are at. Wow. So once those, once those get installed, because I need, I need about 30 feet so I can actually fully see, you know, what the light is going to do. That's my safe, that's my safe pattern. But people always ask, you know, how do you align them? All you have to do is be level, have a 30 feet away and have a couple hand tools and you can just adjust the lights. Uh, we've sent out some lights to customers and, you know, they've installed it themselves. There's no issue with them installing it. But again, it, it all comes down to the manufacturer trying to wake up. I mean, I've, I've been barking up Newmar's leg for about six years. And Newmar, I, I even while I was working at Nexus, I gave I gave Claude and Dave, the owners, I gave them a live demonstration. They're like, nobody complains. I'm like, what do you mean nobody complains? And then when I start talking to people like, oh, those lights are terrible. I just don't drive at night. That's the most common thing I hear from people. I don't drive at night. But if you can drive at night, you can add at least another 200 miles to your travel 
easily if you can drive confidently through the night. Right. And I got to say, yes, it is tough to see at night on every RV that I've ever driven at night. The lighting has never been good. Right. And so, and we don't like to drive at night for a lot of reasons, yeah. but sometimes you have to. Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes there are, back when we were part-time RVers, sometimes by the time we were able to get away from work and get on the road and maybe you hit traffic on your way out of town or what have you, sometimes things happen along the way. Sometimes you find something really cool you want to see along the way, and that eats up more time than you expected. Sometimes things happen that delay you. You just, you don't know what you're going to have to do on the road, so it's better to be safe. And for me, this is one of those safety factors. Well, and the other part of it is for us, for our type of travels, we're going to state parks and national parks most of the time. So if we're running late, we're on a little country road, usually. With deer or elk or who knows what. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) and and, uh, lights matter. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And that's why... When you showed us a demonstration, and and i got to say, it's not an inexpensive thing to do after you've bought a brand-new motorhome, but, I mean, it only takes one time to not be able to really see, and you go, I should have spent the money. I mean... Uh, I just want every time I'm driving at night and I and there's deers that could be crossing in front. I mean, I'm just I pretty much got my fingers crossed, you know. It's always a it's always a bit of a gamble, and people, you know, if they comment on this channel or whatever they do, to give them a basic idea. Most lights are going to start around eighteen hundred dollars. That's like a starting point, mm-hmm. and they can go all the way up to twenty six, twenty seven hundred dollars. It depends on the housing. There's some older Tiffins, and there's uh, older Tiffins. There's some Monaco's, but they're using, like, a Mercedes ML320 headlight. And then there's some that are using a Lexus RX330 headlight. So now you have these top-tier brand names. Right. You know, like uh, we have a customer back there. He's using old BMW E39 headlights. Those are actually getting hard to find. Okay. They're You know, that's, that's a... Early, early 2000s, late 90s BMW 5 Series. So finding a good quality headlight is very important because that's, that's my foundation. Uh, Austin, mm-hmm. I did some lights for Austin's car, and he has a newer BMW, but he bought an aftermarket style because it has a cool daytime running light. It's got the halo ring and all that stuff in there. But if you go out there and you grab this headlight, you know, like I told him right away, and he complained to Amazon because that's where he got them from. I can grab his headlight and I can just twist all the material. Oh, wow. So I was like, see, there's just like so much flex and things just wouldn't give the right way. I you know. I told him, I was like, well, we can, I can try to beef it up. And, you know, that's what I'm going to try to do. Cause he did have, he did have a, uh, he's using kind of a very, very new product in there. He didn't mind being a test dummy for it, <laughs> but one had already failed. So, you know, I'm going to take it out and, put stuff in there that I know is going to work. His lasers are working perfectly fine, but it's just uh, the additional high beam projector. And But that's another thing. That's an, that's why you you don't have that in yours. Right. I have a pair of my Acura. I have a pair in his car. I actually put it in, you know, I make deals with people or I'll run them in my personal vehicles and I'll put them through the test, go through car washes. I drive on bumpy roads and, you know, I, I test everything that I put in and install install mm-hmm. into any headlight now on our that you're putting in our rv doesn't it 
doesn't it add a high beam or something? Did you say? Yeah, you have a, you have a secondary high beam projector, which that's just that's still kind of is blowing my mind right now. Yeah, so you'll have you have a high and low where your projector is, and the low beam comes from because there's a fixed shield on the inside, and then when that shield is sitting there. It's always in low beam mode, but when you go to high beam mode, that shield drops down and lets out all the light. And so you'll get, you know, you'll go from, you know, your cutoff line, and then it's just going to open up, and there's going to be a big spot. And that high beam, second high beam projector, just kind of like backup. Okay. And it just kind of fills in any kind of voids, because obviously the projector can only shoot out so much light, but that one's dedicated for high beam. But yours also has a daytime running light feature in there as well so when you're in daytime running light mode it doesn't work on for all coaches on your coach it does work but it'll light up at about 20 percent brightness oh awesome. so it's just it's just like a light dim but the multi-lens effect and it just looks cool yeah so yeah. there you have it we didn't even know we were getting that yeah and just like the other day when we were talking uh <laughs> with austin um he was telling us some of the things that we didn't even know we were. And he's talking about Austin Clank from here, Master Tech. Yeah, I mean, things that we're going to be getting in our new system and everything that we had no idea. But that's awesome. So we're going to be able to run our lights during the day. Yeah, it'll be automatic daytime running lights pretty much. And it'll just be on uh, with your with your low beams. And it's, again, it's, it's all about safety. You know, in the event something does fail, that daytime running light over there is a backup, and, you know, that tries to keep you in compliance because not every officer out there is nice. Right. So some states have very strict laws about, you know, sometimes they look at these as a commercial vehicle, mm-hmm. or they might try to do some kind of inspections. So, so that's why I stick to the Morimoto projectors, you know, because there is good engineering behind them, and they're actually using the Morimoto, uh, they have brand new Morimoto headlight assemblies that are coming out DOT approved. So that's why I stick with that brand. Okay. Now, when, when it comes to DOT approval, when it comes to RVs, that's a giant, giant gray area. So if you have a Tiffin, which is using a Honda Odyssey headlight, that headlight was designed to be worked for in a Honda Odyssey. Not, not, in, not into a Tiffin Phaeton. Right. <laughs> but it is a DOT-approved headlight in NN's, in NN's design. But it's not on said vehicle. So if you really want to get a scrutin' officer, it's like, well, this isn't a Honda Odyssey. I'm going to have to write you citation because you don't have a DOT-approved headlight. That's a very interesting Wow. But I, I, I don't know how super in-depth they go. They might just give it a pass. I mean, we've done, I've done lights on big rigs here. And, you know, it's 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 a giant gray area where, you know, now there's some laws that are coming in, especially with LED plug-and-play bulbs. So now if you go on to, like, you know, the retrofit source or di- Diodynamics, any of these big companies, if you want to buy some 9006, you're going to go in there, and it's going to give you, like, an advisory, and it's going to say, are you using this for a headlamp? And if you click yes, if you're using this for a headlamp, it's saying, sorry, we cannot sell you this. Interesting. But if you click saying that you're going to use it as a fog lamp, then you can buy it. Hmm. Wow. Just because of the laws that are coming out, because obviously plug-and-play LED bulbs are a big issue. So you said that our original bulbs that you took out were halogen, correct? They were halogen. They so were. 
They burn a lot hotter than the new LED, don't they? Yes, and that's the downside to the LED. If you go and you live in a snowy climate, your headlights not might not you know melt off the snow and the ice. As oh much. my God! That we don't know anything about that. No, we have never ever worried about that in our lifetime. <laughs> you know, you know, but most RVers, I mean, I meant, uh, I forget his name. I think it was Mr. Brown. He drove. He drove all the way from Alaska to come here to get headlights put in. Wow. Oh, my goodness gracious. And he's wow. like, I got to have him. So, I mean, he's in Alaska. He's going to be in snow. Uh, for sure. So, I mean, I mean that, that speak, I mean, that, that's a big confidence boost for me. And, obviously, it's got to be a big confidence boost from Tim because a customer came all the way from Alaska. That's what that's got to be at least a week-long drive that's to awesome. get here. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. And, well, you know. And luck would have it here while we're here. We were just talking the other day. And uh, Jason was talking about he had uh, another headlight for the Jeep. Yep. And he wasn't necessarily talking about our Jeep. He did a Jeep the other day for uh, Austin's buddy, I guess. Yeah. And and uh, so we decided, and I'll tell you, at night, Stacy has trouble driving the Jeep at night. So we're like, well, would that fit our Jeep? <laughs> and I guess the answer was definitely yes. Yep. So. That- That'll be huge for Stacy, I know, because driving at night has been a problem for her for years now. Yeah. And that's that's the next thing that goes on. Like when I was just doing cars, when I did somebody's lights, I did a gentleman's lights in Florida. And then his wife drove his car. She's like, Well, my lights don't look like that. And so okay. he's like, Well, can you do a set for my wife? And so <laughs> I, I did a set for his wife and then she was out with her mom. And then her mom's like, wow, I can see everything. <laughs> and next thing you know, I did the mom's lights, and then I did his father's lights, and then I did their daughter's <laughs> lights for their car because she was scary and turned 16. So he's like, every I did his whole entire family's wow. lights. Wow. That's cool. Well, and, you know, it, it just it makes sense because, you know, when you see everybody that we've talked to that has a set of your lights, they all say what a vast, amazing difference it has been. Now, um, one thing that really I never thought of too, when you when you were telling us about, you know, assembling the lights, you actually do a water test on your light assemblies as well. I do my best to do any kind of water test because RVs do not have any kind of protection. Like if you look at a vehicle, they have fender liners, they have everything, they have things to protect the back of the lights, and the RVs, they don't. So I take the lights and I have a big fifty-five gallon tub thing and then i just filled up like five six inches of water and i put the headlights in there and then i put a five pound weight on it and i let it sit there for a few hours just to make sure that the seal is good but the back of the headlight that's the hard part to protect because you have inputs outputs right and everything going around so i'm making sure that the seal is good just so that you know they won't fog up on you and it's going to happen like my, my my personal car we had all this humidity lately Mm-hmm. Water will find a way if it wants to get in somewhere. Right. So that, you just have to do your best to fight it off. I mean, just because there's a cap and there's a seal doesn't mean a little sliver of water can't get in there. And you get inside of a hot headlight in a humid environment, or if you go, you know, if you take a car to a car wash and it's kind of chilly out mm-hmm. and you hit it with some hot water, you're going to see things steam up. Same thing with like 
you're with, you wear glasses, you can't go from hot to cold. Right, you're right. So yeah. it things just fog up. It's just nature. That's just how thing works. But sometimes it becomes a big problem. Uh, new Dodge Rams suffer from it really bad. The new Chevy 2500. So people are spending, you know, $80,000 on these awesome trucks. And they're like, I, I got standing water in my headlight. And GMs just kind of like kick rocks. It's not a problem. Buy another set. Wow. We're not going to warranty it. Uh, Ferrari. Ferrari has a problem because their headlights are black because they want the aggressive look. Okay. Well, black attracts heat. Right. So when that projector is sitting out, just think of it as a magnifying glass. So the light is refracting off of that projector, and it's actually burning the inside of the Ferrari headlights. Oh, wow. And so some manufacturers now are fixing that by, by putting a metal shield in there and painting it black just so they can absorb the heat, but the black plastic internal headlights. So I... I try not to let people paint their headlights black too much just because it attracts so much heat. And then when you paint headlights, you also have to let the paint cure. I had, I've had a customer, and he's like, hey, I need these lights done, blah, blah, blah. I need it done in a week. I'm like, you're not getting it done in a week. I, I, let, I let the headlights cure for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Let the paint cure. Well, I need it for a show. I'm like, well, all right, I'll do it. But I'm telling you right now, this is what's going to happen. And... Go to the show. What do I see? And he's got all kinds of bubbles in there because the paint didn't off gas. It's all trapped inside of his headlights. And he's like, man, what are we going to do to fix that? I'm like, first, you're going to give me money. (laughs) And then you're going to listen to what I say next time. Because when I try to advise people, I'm not trying to, you know, do it. And the last thing I want to do is open up a set of lights to repair something. So if I tell somebody that something is going to go wrong and they still want to do it, that's going to come out of your wallet because you're the one that's not patient enough. Right. I do things a certain way, and if you want me to go against my certain ways, and so that's that's the main reason why I've just kind of steered away from cars because they're so impatient. Right. You know, they're always impatient. They want it now, especially the younger generation. You know, I'm, you know, I'm only 37 years old, and I've called me an old soul, but I have, I have pretty good patience when it comes to waiting on things, but. Everyone's so used to click on Amazon, buy it now, here, here tomorrow. Right. It doesn't work that way. You know, right. It, it takes me, usually it takes me about four days, five days to just do a general assembly because I, I test fit, I test fit, I measure, and I have a bunch of like little multi-level, uh, what is that, is that three-axis Milwaukee lasers, mm-hmm. and then I find the center point, I do this, I measure here, I measure there, and I see where the light goes, and I flip it 180, and then I have a pull-down screen, and then I make marks on there. It's like, all right, well, there are lights here and here and here and here and here. And so when I put the new projector and then I need my light marks to go here, here, and here, and here. And if I don't get it to go to those marks, then I have to correct it and figure out what I need to do with the bracketry to get it to line up the right way. And that is one thing i got to tell you all that we have been really impressed um, with well, with the entire crew that we've worked with here at Master Tech, but but yeah. Jason in particular, your attention to detail and your making sure that everything is just right is amazing. Well, that's what I was just about to say. I was thinking the exact same thing because he has done more than headlights oh, uh, yeah. on our project. Let, <laughs> let us tell you, I mean, Jason, he knows headlights backwards and forwards, but he also knows RVs backwards and forwards, and he's. He's built a grid on our solar set on our solar setup that's just going to blow people away when when they see it. But but um, and and that's 
from what you're hearing from Jason here, you're seeing the kind of quality people that do work here mm-hmm. at, at Master Tech RV because, I mean, Jeff, that's also working on our on our rig. I mean, he is very thorough. They, they don't do anything. They just, I love, I can just see their minds working when we're in there talking about what's going on and where they're going to run wires. And and it, it's it's amazing to see it all come together. And this is why we came to Master Tech RV. Absolutely. It, it's because we knew that y'all had the expertise here to get the job done right. I mean, we could we could go other places. Anybody could. But do we want it done right? And we're doing something a little off-center from what most people are doing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there's only there's only a few that have come through and they wanted that type of setup. But, right. You know, it's it's all again. It's all about adapting. Right. You know, we we came in here. We we had a set plan. Mm-hmm. And then I come in the next day, and you're like, I got an idea. <laughs> yeah. And then come in the next day, and you're like, you know what? Me and Tim were talking. And yeah, we got another idea. I'm like, okay. So we just. So me and Jeff just sat down and went, we went through all the wiring. I'm like, hey, well, we can get by with this and this and this. We can do this. And if you really wanted to do this, we can do this. And, you know, hit him with it. And I got up, up, got up there and, you know, I got the other five. You know, that, yeah. I mean, if you, when you get up there and you look, you have an eighth of an inch in the back of your coach. And then <laughs> there's an eighth of an inch between that panel. And the only one I don't like is that front panel, but. You wanted number twelve, so you got number twelve. Just, <laughs> you, you're just you're just about three quarters of an inch higher just because of that that little awning bolt that was in the way. But you know that's all it took was just a little bit of a space, and you know everything else worked out. And I tell you what, I can't tell you, and I know, uh, Jason, you lost count of how many times it was up and down and up and down to the roof doing measurements. And I know it was the same thing with the headlights. You know, measure, remeasure, remeasure, like you were saying. It just, everything is I'm just incredible detail. So that's why we trust you. I cannot tell y'all how much we appreciate Jason coming on the show and everything Jason has done for us. Oh, my goodness, guys. This guy is amazing. Yeah, the, the lights are awesome. Jason's also did, like we said, that full solar setup for us. He did a, some warranty work for us and... And yeah, because Master Tech RV is actually a certified Newmar shop. Yeah, so we we were able to get some some of that warranty work done, and and also he's done an incredible job on the Victron, and and uh, all of those components oh my for our, our lithium and solar setup. It, it's been amazing. And you know, we don't like to drive at night as a typical rule of thumb, but sometimes you have to, or you run into bad weather. And I can tell you, so far uh, through our use already, his headlights have been fantastic. So do not hesitate to check out Jason Maybe uh, and Master Tech RV, Custom Coach and Marine, uh, for your headlights or any questions that you have about headlights. Yeah, and don't forget, I mean, he's done Tiffins. He's done Newmars. He's done Newells. He's done Prevos. Monaco's. Uh, Monaco's. Uh, Integra's. I mean, if it... If it's a motorhome, he's probably done it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'd definitely give him a call. Absolutely. And you can connect with him on social media. He's on Instagram as RV Light Guy and on YouTube as The Headlight Guy. 
Thanks so much, Jason. And of course, you can always find him at Master Tech RV Custom Coach and Marine in Elkhart, Indiana. I'll put all of their contact information and his social in the show notes so it'll be easy for you to uh, find. And they're real good at answering questions. I mean, give them a call if you have any questions. Obviously, not just headlights, but anything else. And this is not a paid endorsement. We have paid them to do work for us. (laughs) Yes, we have. Love them. Fantastic. Yeah, they are. And thank you again to Jason for all of your time, your attention to detail, and making our home perfect. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us, y'all. For more on what we talked about this week and to find other episodes, visit the podcast page of rvtexasyall.com. Subscribe to the RV Texas Y'all podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to join us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RV Texas Y'all. Until next time, safe travels. And happy camping. Bye. Bye.